Volume Three, Chapter Ten of *The Rebel Rose* by Justin McCarthy and Rosa Campbell Praed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten, You Are My Prisoner. Mary Beaton and General Falcon were getting into their carriage, which was waiting for them near the Temple Gardens. It was about five o'clock in the afternoon, and they had been for some time at the chambers of the Great Council, Sir Hector Sloane. There was a slight shade of impatience on Mary's face she had been kept waiting in sir hector's ante-room and our princess though she was very sweetly forgiving about trifles did not like to be kept waiting even by an eminent barrister when she made a visit true the whole thing had been an accident a mistake about the hour some wrong wording of a telegram a misunderstanding with falcon but it had caused them to miss the train by which they were going that afternoon to stonehenge park and they were to have met lady struthers with the servants and luggage at sharing cross station mary was annoyed by what she supposed to be falcon's bad management i must say general she said almost peevishly as falcon gave the order home to the coachman and followed her into the brougham that you who are usually so exact in your arrangements for once have not distinguished yourself it really seems to me that the interview with sir hector might have been appointed for an earlier time in the day not just for the hour before we were to start sir hector's time is not his own madame and the appointment even though it was with you had to be made to suit his other business said falcon with a certain grim composure but for the mistake in the telegram which i explained to you there would have been more than enough time for everything and you would have been spared a tiresome drive back to kensington and again to sharing cross i am sorry madame but accidents of this kind cannot always be avoided and you admit that my plans as a rule fit in well like a chinese puzzle general said mary recovering herself well never mind i am sorry for poor lady struthers who i suppose is waiting resignedly on the platform no madame lady struthers and the servants are well on their way to stonehenge by this time i took the precaution when i saw that delay was unavoidable to send a messenger from sir hector's chambers to bid her go on without us and have a carriage sent to meet the next train which will get us down there between ten and eleven mary looked at him surprised you did that falcon why it would have been better for lady struthers to wait for me i have to beg your pardon madame for not consulting you the special saloon had been ordered and the stonehenge carriages were to meet us that arrangement seemed to me the least complicated i thought that i might consider myself a sufficient escort oh certainly it is no matter i am sure you always understand that sort of thing best and mary did not argue the question eight o'clock was striking when the brougham returning stopped in the sharing cross yard falcon piloted mary through the booking office to the platform their train left a little after eight he put her at once into a compartment which he had secured and which the guard immediately locked mary sank into the angle of the cushions and leaned her head back taking no notice of the few passengers who walked to and fro on the platform she seemed heavy and tired and a little confused by and by when the train had been a short while in motion she roused herself by an evident effort threw back her cloak took off her gloves and pulling down the window gazed in a bewildered way out upon the fields and hedges through which they were passing it was still light but the sky was muggy and clouded 
and a sort of drizzling rain had set in so that the dusk seemed to have fallen earlier than usual presently mary drew back her head and made an impatient gesture as if she were trying to collect herself i feel like a person in a dream she said with a laugh everything seems out of proportion and hazy and odd it's the thunder in the air i suppose how silently you sit there general i wish you wouldn't keep your eyes fixed on me like that it makes me think i thought you seemed tired madame i am not tired at least i oughtn't to be but i can't understand what makes me so dazed and drowsy is it sir hector's long table of genealogy do you suppose falcon if i had been dining anywhere but in my own house and so modestly too i might have imagined that some evil disposed person had drugged my one glass of claret with the idea of robbing me on my journey falcon laughed in an odd harsh manner that might well have been possible if you had trusted yourself to any one but your faithful falcon madame you are safe with me close your eyes and sleep mary he said his tone taking a sudden tenderness my eyes will not grow weary of watching you the girl shook her head and drew herself upright but gradually and in spite of her will her form relaxed and the drowsy fantasia-like feeling intensified she was not asleep but her brain was in that curiously excited condition which is sometimes produced by opium when everything seems unreal and the sense of continuity and of the relations of things is lost but when the imagination seems to be working at express speed and mental images stand out with startling clearness and succeed each other with a marvellous rapidity every now and then the rattle of the carriage or the shriek of the engine would recall mary for a moment from some wild flight of thought to the consciousness of falcon sitting opposite her his eyes fixed upon her with a mesmeric intensity and then her fancies would wander again sometimes back into her remote past and she would see vividly scenes and companions of her childhood that in her normal condition she had completely forgotten we must get out here she heard falcon's voice say at last and she jumped up in an uncertain manner startled into the partial recovery of her faculties by the sensation that the train had stopped and by the touch of falcon's cold fingers on her bare hand their coldness gave her a shock and she felt that they were trembling and vaguely wondered what ailed the old man he picked up her wraps and small belongings and gave them to a servant muffled up in a waterproof standing at the carriage door then he helped her to get out and he putting her arm in his they followed the servant past the ticket receiver through a gate and down a cutting into the road except for the feeble light of the railway lamps placed at long intervals down the platform it was gruesomely dark almost pitch dark out in the road for there was no moon and none of the stars were visible it was raining heavily now falcon hurried mary into a close barouche that was waiting and stepped forward to exchange a few words with the coachman he came back and got in the footman shut the carriage door and they were driven rapidly away through the plashing puddles and the beating rain it was a long drive as mary knew to stonehenge park and somehow it seemed longer than ever this evening the carriage was shut up and dark and they drove for some distance without talking the cloud of bewilderment was gradually lifting itself from mary's mind she began to wonder vaguely what had caused it and if it were possible that she could by accident have taken some narcotic 
and if that were so whether falcon had done the same thing and was affected by it perhaps that might account for his being so silent she was scarcely able to reason or to think back collectedly and sat still rather enjoying the dreary sound of the rain and the rapid motion of the carriage once or twice she let the window down a little and tried to see but all the outlines of the landscape were hidden and it was impossible for her to make out anything familiar falcon made hardly any answer to her fitful efforts at conversation and at length so long a silence came that she thought he must be asleep she wondered when they were going to reach the lodge gates and by and by she told herself that they must have done so for the carriage stopped and there was a drawing of iron bolts and a clanking to again after they passed through then there came another and a prolonged stoppage and mary uttered a cry of surprise as a sudden shaft of light piercing the darkness from an opening door showed her only high gray walls on both sides of her where are we she said this is not stonehenge park the muffled manservant threw back the carriage door and a breath of fresh salt air blew with the raindrops on to mary's face falcon got out and gave her his hand and all in wonder she stepped from the carriage on to the pavement of a courtyard she looked round full of astonishment half excited by what she supposed to be some mishap or adventure and far from suspecting any plot to entrap her she saw the castellated outline of a fortress-like building with an arch of stonework and massive entrance door partially open in front of her and a buttressed wall to her right over which the salt wind came in gusts while below it she fancied that she could hear the sound of waves roaring have they lost their way and brought us to the wrong place general falcon she asked imperiously this is by the sea explain please unless you are as much in the dark as i am i can explain madame but not here in the rain falcon answered and he hurried her to the entrance where a respectable and well-dressed elderly german woman stood holding a lamp in her hand the woman made a silent salutation which mary courteously returned and preceded them into a dimly lighted stone-paved hall that was already familiar to falcon it appears madame he said to mary that in the darkness we got into the wrong carriage and have been brought to lady saxon's house petrel's rest to petrel's rest echoed mary she gave a start and seemed to shrink involuntarily as though the idea of being lady saxon's guest were disagreeable to her is lady saxon here she asked turning to the housekeeper the woman replied in german that her ladyship was not at petrel's rest how then came the carriage to be at the station asked mary quickly the woman shook her head her ladyship came or did not come as it pleased her she was always uncertain the carriage had been very often ordered to meet her ladyship and she had changed her mind at the last moment and not arrived you see put in falcon hastily it is only a blunder i will go and make inquiries in the meantime madame he added in german the housekeeper will perhaps have the goodness to show you to a room where you can wait in comfort i can wait here replied mary truly misfortune seems to pursue us to-day general and this is a more serious blunder than the loss of our train just then there appeared lady saxon's german butler the attendant of the late baron langenwalt with whom falcon was acquainted this person bowed deferentially to mary and politely drawing falcon a little distance aside 
talked with him for a few moments in so low a tone that the conversation was lost on mary well she asked when falcon returned it may be a short time before we can get off it might indeed be better for us to remain here for the night i will find out there are some rooms here always kept in readiness and a fire lighted you must be cold and tired and damp madame and i advise you to take this opportunity of rest and refreshment i will come to you presently mary nodded acquiescence and followed the housekeeper who her lamp in her hand led the way up a long and irregular flight of stone stairs the staircase might have figured in a medieval romance mary thought it was so old and so strange and silent there was something ominous in the silence and something oppressive in the solitude and ghostliness of the place the staircase did not go far but stopped at a corridor at the end of which was one massive door the woman unlocked the door and mary found herself in a curious-looking sitting-room almost semicircular in shape lined with tapestry and with a curtained archway in the straight side of the wall evidently leading to a similar probably a sleeping apartment it was as though these two rooms formed one story of a tower projecting from the rest of the building and mary conjectured that its foundation must be lapped by the sea for she fancied that she could hear the beating of the waves the place had a chilly feeling notwithstanding that a wood fire burned on the open hearth it was lighted by candles in tall sconces and there were some stiff oak chairs and tables and a straight-backed couch but there were no books or knick-knacks or anything that betokened recent occupation mary seated herself before the fire and warmed her feet and shook the raindrops from her light travelling cloak the housekeeper departed and after a few minutes another and younger german woman entered first with the tray on which were biscuits and wine and then with the can of hot water that she carried into the bedroom drawing aside the curtains so that mary now saw it was a room smaller and of the same shape as that she was in lined also with tapestry and having tall black furniture and a canopied bed it had apparently no outlet except through the room in which she was sitting and by that one door into the corridor what an odd romantic place the girl said half aloud and she began to wish almost that she might have to pass the night in these fairly comfortable quarters and be spared the dreary dark drive to stonehenge park she was still sitting by the fire taking a dreamy pleasure in its warmth and brightness for though it seemed muggy and close when they left london the rain or the sea air had brought a feeling of chill when the heavy door creaked on its hinges and without preliminary knock or announcement falcon walked in to mary's astonishment and alarm he bolted the door behind him and came towards her with a masterful determined air and a strange excited look on his face what is the meaning of this general falcon she exclaimed rising falcon paused at the oak table in the centre of the room and stood a few paces from her one hand resting upon the table the other at his hip as if he were touching the hilt of an imaginary sword his warrior-like attitude the lean head with ruffled silvery hair thrown back and with the scar slanting across the forehead and the wild gleam of exultation in his eyes frightened mary and deepened the fantastic impression that falcon and she were playing parts in some drama of the middle ages madame said falcon in a deep solemn tone you are for the present don't be alarmed or shocked you are my prisoner mary started very naturally 
one who in ordinary life is told that he is somebody's prisoner has generally had some reason to know in advance that such an announcement was likely to be made he knows that he has done or is doing or is supposed to have done or to be doing something which puts it in the power of someone else to take him into custody but mary had as little reason to expect such an announcement from falcon as to expect that he would tell her he was about to put her to death her sensation could not be analyzed it was mere shock the sudden suspension for the moment of the power to feel anything general falcon she exclaimed at last i will leave this place at once you cannot madame without my consent you are bound to obey me when i command you and i do command you ah he answered with a wild smile there are times when the truest and most devoted allegiance shows itself best in brave refusal to obey refusal to let one's idol sacrifice herself were there not brave and faithful counsellors of mary stuart who strove to save her from the consequences of her own caprices and of her own mistakes there was one pretended devotee of mary stuart who brought destruction on her because he would not restrain his wild passion for her is that the wise counsellor you speak of general falcon is it the example of bothwell that you have in your mind when you try to compel me to bend to your wishes but you my dear old friend her manner suddenly softened to him because she saw that a shade of pain passed over his face when she spoke of bothwell you are not a bothwell any more than i am a mary steward of that kind the pang that went to falcon's heart was only a pang of wounded conscience he knew that his purpose had been to play in some sort the part of bothwell princess he said it is idle our talking in this way you cannot change my purpose by any words of yours and if you cannot who could i will not allow you to sacrifice yourself you shall not marry any of these men stonehenge is the best of them but he is not fit for you you shall not marry him then must i die an old maid good falcon don't smile he exclaimed fiercely this is no matter to smile about no truly mary quietly interposed though it is ridiculous enough surely to excuse a little levity you are not to die an old maid come that is gracious she could not in all her danger keep from indulging a little her sense of the absurdity of the whole situation falcon's eyes flashed ominously no you are not to die an old maid there is one man who loves you for yourself who adores you who will protect you against the world i am your lover mary your true and devoted lover i have brooded over all this for years it is sometimes well-nigh driven me mad but now at last i see my way and yours i see our way it is decreed by fate it is ordained by heaven you are to be my wife this is god's will and that will shall be done mary now began to understand that she had to do not with a wild eccentric lover but with an actual madman she felt a chill pass suddenly over her and her hands trembled but she came of a brave race a race in which not even the women yielded much to fear and she knew that now all depended on her nerves her judgment and her courage 
dear general falcon she said gently and she put one hand on his arm with an appealing touch while she looked into his wild eyes why do you say such things you must know that this cannot be i am very fond of you indeed i love you dearly in one way but not in that way you could not really want a girl of my age to marry you you are too kind and good and self-sacrificing for that it was not for that my father left his daughter in your care was it dear old friend let us say no more of this i shall do my best to forget all you have said and it shall make no difference between us we shall be in the future just the same to each other as we were in the past no no mary that can never be i have broken the ice i have crossed my rubicon things can never again be as they were for you and me i have thought of your father i have dreamed of him again and again if i were credulous i should say i have seen him and spoken with him lately mary shuddered and gave a slight groan no i suppose it was a mere imagining but i have seemed to see him and to hear his words approving my purpose and urging it oh god mary exclaimed stricken with horror at this terrible suggestion i have loved you so long mary ever since you ceased to be a child but i hardly quite knew it myself until lately and i thought i should be glad and happy to see you married to some man worthy of you some man who would love you whom his voice fell to a low reluctant tone some man whom you loved but no 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 he exclaimed loudly i couldn't 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 i love you too much and they are not worthy of you these men here lord stonehenge what love has he in him he couldn't love you as you ought to be loved and champion what does he care for but his ambition and his politics and his career and bellarmine mary you couldn't love an idle harebrained young adventurer like that there was something unspeakably pitiful and ludicrous in the single-minded naked self-conceit of the unhappy falcon it touched mary to the very heart she felt ashamed to be thus made a spectator of his weakness and his self-degradation general falcon she said with quiet dignity we must put a stop to all this we need not go into the merits of all my various friends i shall not marry any one i do not love you may depend upon that love with all my heart i was near giving myself in marriage to one man whom i did not love and never could love in that way and the prospect became so terrible to me as i came nearer to it that it has taught me a lesson long enough for all my life and that is the reason general falcon why i cannot marry you and as you are a soldier and a gentleman i ask you to be contented with it contented with it and without you never marry i am a soldier and i am a gentleman and because of that i feel that i am not unworthy of you come madame let us be reasonable i have you here in my power and i will not let you go you shall be treated with all the respect due to a princess and to the woman whom i adore but you are a captive princess mary and captive you shall remain until you consent to come out free and be my wife do you know she asked in growing impatience that this is the nineteenth century 
and that we are within a short distance of london and that there is a railway station close at hand and that the sea covered with steamers is breaking on the shore just under the windows what is the meaning of your attempt to play off some medieval melodrama here for heaven's sake think of yourself general falcon the nineteenth century has its passions and its melodramas just as well as any of the farthest centuries falcon answered grimly and it has no passion stronger and more resolved than mine the sea covered with steamers i wonder when a steamer last came within hail of this place railways how are you to get to a railway how is anyone to get from a railway to you the few people who are in this house are devoted to me and to my purpose they will not mind what you say whose plot is this mary demanded it has not all been conceived and executed by you who has helped you in it no it is not entirely mine i have a friend who will sustain me in all i am doing who has again and again urged me to do it to save you by doing it you may as well know it at once mary it will show you that i am not acting without counsel and support this is lady saxon's house she has put it at my disposal i brought you here by her advice lady saxon mary cried out that woman my enemy i knew she hated me but i never could have believed this falcon it is not possible that lady saxon can be your accomplice in such a shameful and such a senseless act she is my accomplice as you choose to call it so she is my friend she has given me her house her yacht is lying at anchor ready whenever you like to carry you and me to some brighter land than this hateful england we have thought of everything do you know he whispered with a gleam of maniacal cunning in his eyes and a sort of chuckle in his voice do you know what we thought of doing if it should prove necessary we thought of telling the servants that you were mad were out of your senses and had to be kept under restraint until proper medical attention could be got for you ha mary what do you think of that who would mind anything you said then my god mary said aloud the ghastly suggestion and the look and the tone of utter madness which illustrated it with fearful light almost for the moment broke down the poor girl's courage and nerves altogether this then is your love general falcon she said forcing herself to be brave and calm this is your love this is your loyalty this is your devotion you would exhibit me to the servants of lady saxon exhibit me as a madwoman in order that you might be able to keep me in a prison it is terrible mary terrible and the unfortunate old man actually shuddered there was a time when if anyone had told me that this could ever be but what use is there in talking or thinking of all that now and he shrugged his shoulders impatiently yes mary if it be necessary i will do all that my mind is made up i will face hell itself in this i am not afraid of counsels from hell mary said i put my trust in heaven and heaven will not fail me earth will not fail me either do you really believe general falcon that i shall not be missed in london do you think my friends will not try to find me 
do you think lady struthers will do nothing she i know is not in this ridiculous plot no she is a fool i could have nothing to do with her well do you think she will not take the trouble to find out where i am do you think lord stonehenge will do nothing why we are within a few miles of lord stonehenge's own house lord stonehenge will never suspect that you are here falcon said with a grim smile he would never believe that you could be kept a prisoner in lady saxon's house be content mary we thought of all that we thought of all that mary said sadly we you and lady saxon my father's oldest friend plotting with that base and wicked woman for the destruction of his daughter the rescue and salvation of his daughter mary but it is no use our arguing in this way my purpose couldn't be changed though one rose from the dead if your father's spirit were to appear in this room here between us mary started at the words were to beseech me to change my purpose i would not do it i couldn't but i know i told you your father would be on my side i am sorry i spoke of my father mary said it hurts me to hear his name desecrated i had some hope that an appeal to his memory would still have some power over you and it has none well we have said enough i think i am your prisoner general falcon until some happy chance sets me free you shall be free this moment if you will consent to be my wife mary shook her head let us not speak of that any more if i am your prisoner i am i suppose i may have the usual privilege of a prisoner i may be sometimes alone your will and your wishes shall be obeyed in every way madame you are mistress and queen here in everything but the one thing which i want mary said with a quiet smile her composure returning to her i cannot give you your freedom except on the condition i have told you of is it then so very hard a condition mary do you not know how deeply and passionately i adore you do you not believe that i would give up my whole life all that is left of it ah oh, yes i know what you are thinking of now i know that i am very old but my love for you sends new youth through me general falcon you know how fond i was of you always how much i loved you as if you were my father always always until this yes and even now i would forget and forgive all this if you will only be your dear old self your kind old self again oh, my dear old friend be my dear old friend once again and let us forget this horrid dream no one shall ever know of it so far as i am concerned come there is time enough yet we are not missed so far let us go back to london and to our old life too late too late mary do you think i am a madman mary that after having gone so far as this i should stop now and turn back there was something startling in the manner of his putting the hypothesis of his madness in the entire sincerity with which he treated it as an utterly untenable proposition it sent a new shudder through mary to be in the power of a madman who is fully convinced of his own perfect sanity would try the nerves of the bravest well she said with a weary sigh for she was now feeling the mere physical weariness of the hopeless altercation 
I don't see any good to come of our going over this any more. I am in your power. I am your prisoner. And you say your mind is made up. Am I to wear chains? Am I to be subjected to torture? His face flushed. You are cruel, madame. Oh, cruelty? I am cruel? Yes. You are cruel to talk of chains and torture, to make such jests. Yes, I am in a jesting mood, truly. Who wouldn't be merry in such conditions as mine? You know that you will be treated like a princess. I have told you that. Tell me what you wish for. Anything but one thing. It shall be done. Only one wish now, General Falcon, is really present to my mind. And that is, madame, just to be left alone. Falcon bowed gravely. Madame will see, he said, that there is a bell and that the rooms are replete with every comfort as the advertisements say, Mary coldly added. Thanks, General Falcon. I shall not make much complaint about the rooms or the attendants. You are mocking me, he said. You always love to mock me. You know you did. Did I? Well, I suppose, like most girls, I was sometimes in a merry humor. Never mind, General Falcon. I am not likely for the future to distress anyone by the exuberance of my mirth. She turned away from him. He gazed at her for a moment silently, and then he left the room, and she heard him close the door softly as he went. End of Volume 3 Chapter 10